In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the San Antonio Spurs and the Sacramento Kings as they get ready to kick the NBA back off down in Orlando. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. Are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. As I said, we're going to be looking at the San Antonio Spurs and the Sacramento Kings, who just both had uh, some injury news come down in the last uh, last few days. So we're going to talk uh, about them with the hosts of their Locked On podcast uh, shows. So, hey, let's get stuck straight into it. All right, and to talk about the San Antonio Spurs, of course, it is time to bring in the host of the Locked On Spurs podcast, Jeff Garcia, is here with me. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Hey, Josh, glad to be back. Now, the San Antonio Spurs, of course, probably weren't going to make the playoffs if the season had continued along the current uh, path that they were on. But here we are. They're down in Orlando. But they're going to have to do it with um, very, very uh, few big men on their roster. LaMarcus Aldridge won't be rejoining the team with a shoulder injury. And now Trey Lyles, who was the starting power forward, who was uh, surely going to see an uptick in usage in minutes, he is not going to be down there with appendicitis. So who starts in the front court? That's a good question. Um, right now, it looks like it's going to be uh, Jakob Pertl, uh, who has told me and the rest of the media that he has taken the challenge of rising up for the team without LMA. Now you throw in Noel Lyles, and yeah, all signs are pointing that Jakob is going to be the man in the middle for San Antonio. A good young player, solid, you know, does the dirty work, runs the pick and roll well, can rebound, best rim protector the Spurs have. But he's not LMA. He's not even Trey Lyles to the point that he can't even stretch the floor for the Spurs. So it's going to be tough going for the Spurs in the middle. You throw in the fact that they got a bunch of big teams on their eight-game slate in Orlando. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Rudy Gay uh, spoke about playing the five uh, today or yesterday by the time you're listening to this, or whenever you're listening to this, um, about playing the man in the middle. And he said that it's just basketball, that it, it doesn't matter where he plays. So you're kind of looking at a combination of Yaka, maybe Rudy, Chemezi Metu, Drew Eubanks, uh, even the new guy, Tyler Zeller. The Spurs have depth at the big man. It's just not quality depth. Yeah. Look, Jakob Pertl has been a player who I think has been underplayed over almost the course of his career. The advanced stats are all massively positive with him. Huge PIPM and, and box score plus minus, and Raptors are a really big number as well for Pertl. But the minutes just haven't been there. He doesn't have the offensive game in terms of scoring, but really good screen setter, as you mentioned, one of the best offensive rebounders in the game also. And strong defender, really, really good defender, in fact, and, and really good rim protector. So that's something that San Antonio hasn't really been running with because they are not the strengths of all. Aldridge or Lyles, and far from it. And so a little bit of a different look there. But then you run into that problem of not having the stretchiness at the four. And Rudy Gay is going to have to play that position um, yeah, a lot more. I don't know how much they're going to want to push his minutes in a situation where the Spurs probably aren't going to be making the playoffs. But there are some interesting guys, I think, behind him that we want to take a look at that maybe can force their way into the rotation. Number one of those is Keldon Johnson, who was actually part of the rotation towards the end of the season. And I thought he looked pretty good. Can he stretch up and play a little bit of the four? Um, you, you could definitely see it. He was asked about that in a recent uh, press conference uh, with uh, the players over Zoom. And 
same thing, you know, pretty much that whole position is basketball mindset that if he has to play it, so be it. He played um, quite a bit of it in the summer league uh, for his rookie season, and he's capable of doing that, but uh, not really well suited to him. I think he's better um, running that court, playing off the wing uh, position. Uh, he's very dynamic. Um, uh, he's what, 19, 20 years old, but he's a big kid. I mean, really big. His body is feeling out very fast. Look, Popovich recently just, in so many words, admitted what these eight games are going to be uh, development. Uh, he told uh, me and the rest of the media on hand that some teams go in there with a chance to win a title. Some teams are going to Orlando with a chance to make the playoffs. And he said there's other teams that are just there to free, for evaluation and development. Um, that's where the Spurs are at right now. So now we're going to look at Kelton Johnson. Lucas Simonich is another yeah. uh, young uh, guy to have on the roster. I can't forget Lonnie Walker, uh, who, uh, by the way, I did speak with him uh, directly. And I asked him, like, whoa, okay, so during the hiatus, did you look at something that you want to improve on? And he told me, uh, and I think that's the big thing with Lonnie Walker. He has that raw natural ability. Athleticism is through the roof. But I think a lot of Spurs fans are kind of feeding off that one uh, great game he had against Houston where he let the uh, comeback for San Antonio. But since then, very erratic. His minutes have gone up uh, at a rapid pace since that game. But his production is just wavering. His effective field goal. Uh, so consistency is going to be on his to-do list heading into these eight games. And he already said that Pop's seen a lot of Lonnie Walker and the young guys shortly. So Walker only averaged 5.6 points per game this season. And you look at it at a quick glance, he shot 41% from three. And you go, that's really great. The problem is his true shooting is under 52%, which is a really, really poor number because he couldn't hit twos. He didn't hit free throws well. He didn't get to the line. He didn't offer assists or steals or blocks or rebounds. Didn't really do anything apart from a couple of scoring output situations. And I've heard talk that they might go super small, even push DeRozan to the four and then play Lonnie at the three and then go with more guards. Because, you know, when you're looking at developing players, you want to develop Lonnie Walker, you want to develop those sort of guys rather than uh, Marco Bellinelli or even Drew Eubanks or Tyler Zell. Like they're not going to be the options that you want to throw out there. Now let me throw this at you because people and maybe you're one of them but you, you if you're not one of them you definitely know plenty of Spurs fans who are these people who have wanted to see Derek White and DeJounte Murray play significant minutes together. Mm-hmm. The development of this team, and I think White was significantly underused. His uh, All his advanced metrics are uh, superior to DeJounte Murray's this season, with the exception of box score plus minus, and most of them by a significant chunk. Um, not to say that Murray shouldn't be getting development time, but why do you think that we're finally going to see these guys playing together at the expense of someone like yeah, Bryn Forbes, who has had a disappointing season, especially early on? Will we get more of that White-Murray combo instead of you know 24 minutes apiece as they just you know, sub in for each other? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, lineups out there that are going to feature. That has to be on the menu for San Antonio. They can no longer try to change the wheels going 60 miles an hour like they used to and still be successful. The time has come for the Spurs. Uh, their big three era, their golden era is over. they got to turn the page up for next season when it starts up. Same thing with Kelton Johnson. He was having a great uptick in his play and his minutes and producing before the hiatus. And unfortunately, COVID happened, and well, that stopped that rhythm. Same thing for Lonnie, same thing for Jakob, same thing for uh, Luca. You know, you're looking at the NBA time spent among these kids, it was minimal. Uh, yeah, Samanich played 12 Samanich, minutes. 
yeah, Samanich played one game, 12 minutes. You're looking at uh, Quindari Weatherspoon, a, a little over five minutes per game in his NBA time. These guys spent a bulk of their playing time in Austin in the G League. Now they're going to get significant run in Orlando. Even Chemezi Metu, he played the most of the young guys that were coming in and out of uh, Austin uh, to San Antonio and 14 games, I believe, and still think of like a little over nine or 10 minutes per game in the NBA. No, he played, he played so, under five uh, minutes a game, actually. He played 16 okay, games, for, four for and a half that. minutes, I appreciate that. which is crazy. Yeah. Like that. That's so small. Yeah, exactly. So if Pop sticks to what he recently said about it being all development, at least that's his mindset going into these next eight, then, okay, young guys, you're about to get a taste of NBA action and hopefully a look at the future. Let's face it, uh, Josh, this team – we don't know what the identity is. Is DeMar going to stick around? Okay, if he sticks around and picks up his player option, okay, is it going to be built around DeMar and what could be his last last season in San Antonio? He's already 31 as well. Like he's not he's not the future of this team. Exactly. That's my point. They're, they got to go somewhere. So they have a bunch of these kids sitting there in Austin, sitting on the bench, playing in minimal time in the NBA. Let's see what these guys can do. What if one of these guys is the corner piece they can build around moving forward? Personally, I don't think they're there yet. I don't think we've seen enough no, to agree. make that judgment call. And here's the thing, too. Another win in this situation, if Pop decides to just go with the young guys and, you know, if they make the playoffs great or they don't, great mindset is they preserve their draft positioning. Had they made the postseason, they would have dropped, started to have a drop in positioning in the next NBA draft. If they don't make it, which likely they're not, they stick around that 11-13 range, which is good because they need to start turning the page already. I think a lot of the Spurs fan base is still kind of leaning on the TD, uh, Tony Amanu days. Those are over. They got to turn the page. And even if it means, dare I say this, Josh, that if Kelton is a good-looking guy you know, on the court, if Lucas Amanu is a good-looking court, but not quite there yet, and maybe they package these guys to bring in a star player they can build around they got to start looking at the options they have with these young kids and what better way to do it in the next eight games i think the, the problem that you, you did touch on there as well is that you're talking about you're giving these young guys the playing time and whether there is that star of the future there i'm not convinced i'm not convinced that there is and that's yeah, I'm, I'm not there I, i'm not that, there either that's you're the problem right they're in, the, they're in this weird spot where <clears throat> give these young guys minutes but are they actually any good and they're in that getting that spot where if they don't jump up in the lottery, they're picking 11 and 13. And this draft's pretty weak. They're probably not going to get star player at that spot. But uh, you look, they do need to see what Lonnie and Derek and Dejounte and even Pirtle can do. And I think from a if you're looking at fantasy form from this restart, yeah, Pirtle is going to have to play a significant chunk of minutes. He's always been a really good fantasy player. He's looking to me to be a top 40, top 50 fantasy guy in this restart. White and Murray should see both of their minutes tick up. They're going to have some pretty good value. And then there's a Lonnie Walker's not a great fantasy player. Uh, Kelton Johnson's not a great fantasy player, but they are in line for more minutes. So they're interesting players that we can at least take a look at and, and see what they're going to do. But the, the big winners to me are going to be Dejounte, Derek, and Jakob, who are going to get you know, a larger role. And Pertle almost definitely losing two front court players. He's going to have to. Well, he is the best front court player remaining on this yeah. team, and he's going to have to play minutes. Otherwise, you're relying upon Drew Eubanks and uh, Chemezi right. Metu to uh, to fill in those minutes. And I think, uh, regardless of Pop's somewhat uh, distaste for Pirtle, uh, oh no, yeah, during the season, uh, I think he's going to get those minutes. Now, what you did say one thing that Pop's like, oh, you know, they need to realize 
that this team uh, is not the same as before. This is the time to do it. I would argue that the time to do it was actually before this season. Like this, the writing has been on the wall for this for a while. It's been really, he's been really resistant and hesitant in doing that and getting these guys into more consistent and developmental roles. So I don't know if he's had this. He just looks at these eight games and go, look, nothing's happening here. We need to do it. But I would have thought it could have been done at the start of last season. But that is something for us to watch. Jeff, at least there is something for Spurs fans to keep an eye on with these young guys. Everyone's excited about, especially Lonnie Walker. People seem to right. love that guy. Uh, so seeing what he does, and you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Spurs in the coming weeks. So thank you, Jeff, for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Not a problem. Are looking to uh, to step forward and potentially push for, uh, at the very minimum, a play-in game or get into the playoffs themselves. It is the Sacramento Kings. And to talk about the Kings, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Kings podcast, Matt George, is with me. Sacramento is going to be uh, going to be pushing pretty hard, I, I believe, to uh, get themselves into the playoffs, Matt. Josh, it's a pleasure to be on with you and to chat with you again. Hope everything is uh, well with you. Yes, the the push is hard in Sacramento. However, uh, with each passing day, it seems to get weaker. Uh, with the Kings having more players than any other team to test positive for COVID-19. The good news is Alex Len is on a plane currently uh, and is expected to land in Orlando and join the team shortly. Uh, But Harrison Barnes is still back in Sacramento. Uh, Rashawn Holmes should be good to go to actually play games, but he's in timeout right now, accidentally breaking the, uh, the, the bubble boundary. So, He's not participating with the team in training camp, but will be available for the scrimmage games, which is good. But then the uh, the axe that fell hard yesterday afternoon here in Sacramento, which is uh, De'Aaron Fox re-injuring the same left ankle that he got a grade three ankle sprain earlier on in the season in November that held him out for 17 games. But he is back, uh, or, or what he is expected to hopefully be back for the start of the eight games, but missing all that training camp time, uh, missing all of the, or probably most of the scrimmage games, who knows what kind of shape he is going to be in. It has not been uh, a easy transition to the Orlando bubble for Sacramento, just like it has not been an easy regular season. He also, when he had that grade three ankle sprain, he came back really early from that one. Now, I was a little bit, not skeptical, but I was cautious about how he was going to respond from that. He he had his struggles early this season, but he was coming along. But yeah, something, another ankle injury there is, uh, is a worry. Um, for Fox, Fox was looking to be yeah, maybe a top 40 fantasy guy in this restart. Same with Rashawn Holmes, depending... Matt, on how they use this center rotation, because we know Holmes was putting up huge numbers, and in all honesty, he was probably the Kings' best player for portions of this season. Then he got injured, and then we never really got to see how he and Marvin Bagley would work together, because Bagley was always hurt, but everyone should theoretically be ready to go here. So what is, the, if we know, what is the Kings' thought about how this front court's going to run? Is it going to be uh, Bagley starting, Holmes starting, Bielitsa starting? Is Len going to be the backup? How are they going to run all these big men? Luke is playing his cards. Luke Walton, Kings head coach, is playing his cards very co- uh, close to his chest. Uh, and I, I admire that. It's also frustrating. We can't really get a whole lot out of him about uh, where Marvin Bagley's fit in the rotation would be. Last time I asked, he said it was still way too early uh, to make that decision. But what he has revealed to us is that with the lack of, of big man depth right now that the Kings have in practice, Marvin Bagley and also Harry Giles, but especially Marvin Bagley has been getting a lot of reps, especially at the five spot, the center position. 
Now, that being said, if even if Marvin Bagley is healthy and looks good, if Rashawn Holmes is back, the full expectation is that Rashawn Holmes is going to start at center. Just based off of the season that he's had, uh, you you know what he brings versus Marvin Bagley. Uh, there is so much potential there for great stuff and great numbers. Uh, but the Kings, in reality, have not won a single game since Marvin Bagley or with Marvin Bagley in the starting lineup. So the full expectation is that Marvin Bagley will play an important uh, role off of the bench, maybe 20 to 25, maximum 30 minutes at times, uh, depending upon how well he is playing. I would be personally very surprised if at any point, uh, unless the Kings were completely out of it and they were just throwing him out there to see if it, it worked. Uh, I don't think Marvin Bagley is is sniffing uh, the, the starting lineup, but should get a good bench roll. Rashawn Holmes should get big minutes uh, at center. The big question is, whether or not the two can play together and will they play together? Cause if they can't, someone's going to have to sacrifice the minutes and it probably, at least in my mind would be Bagley at least to start. Yeah. That's how I would see it too, that they'll go with that Holmes, Billy, it's a starting combo. They'll play them some minutes together, but Bagley is going to be a bit of an uphill battle. Maybe it helps somewhat if Barnes does have after effects from the COVID-19 uh, diagnosis and he isn't able to play. Um, there, is there any words on whether he has been asymptomatic or he's suffering symptoms from it? Uh, the good news is, from what we've been told, is he, for the most part, hasn't. He's been focusing on getting healthy, but every indicator we've received from Walton and from the Kings has been that he's feeling good. It was the same thing with Alex Len. It was the same thing with Buddy Heald. Uh, Heald told us that really the, the worst symptoms that he felt uh, was was like a head cold and a little bit of dizziness at night, but uh, nothing too serious. And it sounds like it's something similar along those lines with Harrison Barnes. The expectation is that he will be able to join the team uh, well before the the season, the, the real games get underway. Uh, but of course, he still would have to go through the quarantine program and everything like that. Luke Walton did tell us that he is preparing the team as if uh, Harrison Barnes is not joining the team at any point because that's all he can do right now and he wants to make sure they're prepared uh, but the expectation is that Harrison Barnes will be with the team and, and ready to go there'll be people who uh, are doing fantasy redrafts for this you know eight game restart and they might look at existing rankings and they see Jabari Parker is the 87th ranked player over the course of the season but Matt is he even going to be a part of the rotation he has played one game I think for Sacramento he tested positive as well um, is he going to be a part of the rotation I have my doubts yeah, I don't think so. I really don't. And there were I, when that trade was made, we know the Kings like Jabari Parker and there's interest in Jabari Parker. But Alex Len in that trade was uh, from Atlanta was really the one that got minutes and is expected still to compete for minutes. Jabari might get some time if the Kings need that wing depth, especially with the uh, the 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 uh, pattern that they're on right now with injuries and, and players testing positive so maybe they're forced to play him but let's put it this way if the kings were 100 percent healthy uh and and had their 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 pick of the rotation i don't think shabari parker would see the floor too much i really don't think he's part of their plans short term uh, or long term that hasn't really worked out in fact we have been told still to this point he hasn't even participated yet uh, in full contact practice yet well, when you look at it, yeah, he he cannot really play the three at all. And we talked about guys in their front court. It's Bielitsa, there's Holmes, there's Bagley, there's Barnes who can play up at the four, there's Alex Len, there's Harry Giles. There's a bunch of guys in those four or five positions who would be significantly ahead of him. But one change that was made to the Kings rotation before the hiatus was Buddy Heald going to the bench, seeing his minutes cut down significantly. Uh, his usage went up and his efficiency was pretty high in that role. But is there any reason to expect that 
that will change, that we'll see Heald back starting? Or is it going to be that the Fox-Bogdanovich combination with Heald playing that 25, 26-minute high-usage bench role? It's an excellent question, Josh, and that's a debate that I'm sure Luke Walton is having. Maybe you, you fall on the, the old cliche, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing, because it seemed to be working. However, there's many in Sacramento that believe that the Kings, if they want to make the playoffs, they have to put their best lineup out there. And does that lineup, uh, assuming everybody's healthy, is that lineup De'Aaron Fox at the point guard? Buddy Heald to the two guard and starting Bogdan Bogdanovich at the three uh, with Harrison Barnes at the four. Uh, regardless of if Buddy Heald starts or not, I think the usage will still be high, assuming he's able to play and, and he's able to go and the stamina is there. Uh, he is uh, a, an important piece to the Kings' chances that they're going to need all hands on deck if they have any shot at the playoffs. And that means a, a 40% shooting uh, three-point Buddy Heald. Uh, hopefully he can even get back to the higher numbers of catch and shoot threes, assuming the Kings try and go back to the, the fast paced offense that they ran under Dave Yeager the year before, which they've talked a lot about, but again, how healthy are they going to be in order to execute that? I expect Buddy Heald will be getting a lot of minutes, whether that's at a starter or not uh, is to be determined. Uh, but Buddy is going to have more than enough opportunity to, uh, to get his buckets and do what he does best. People, again, I talked about looking at your rankings and for fantasy for Jabari Parker, and people are going to do the same for Buddy Hill, and they're going to see that in his last you know, 23 games, he only played 28 minutes a night, but he was still the 36th ranked player. And that is because in those, in, well, he had 20 of those games coming off the bench, and in those 20 games coming off the bench, he shot 48% from three. Now, he's a really good shooter, but he's not a 48% three-point shooter. He was He's at 36% as a three-point shooter as a starter. So let's just say he's a 40, 41% shooter. That is going to have an impact on those overall numbers. He is not, nobody is that good of a three-point shooter. So he won't be able to keep up that level of efficiency. He's also, when uh, I believe he missed one free throw as a, a player coming off the bench. Let me just double check that. Yeah, he had uh, 32 of 33 on his free throws. Again, he's a really good free throw shooter. He's not a 97% free throw shooter. He's a mid to high 80s guys. So both of those things, if they come down, that does have an overall impact on that fantasy value. So don't like overstretch to get him based on, look what he did when he was coming off the bench, that high usage, because it was based on some really, really highly unsustainable shooting. Again, he's a really good shooter, but from 48 and 97 down to 41 and 86, uh, pretty significant drop-offs that uh, I think are going to be important for us to... Um, and to pay attention to. One other guy I just want to quickly mention who did come over in a trade, uh, that's Kent Bazemore. Is he, we expect him to be a part of the rotation. He was playing some, some decent enough basketball as a, a bench guard uh, defensive type specialist. Absolutely, yeah. He is an important part of this piece going forward. Uh, I am in the camp that I would love to see Kent Bazemore re-sign with the Sacramento Kings, assuming the deal is is team-friendly. Uh, he's been that important as just a, a leader and a, a presence. So yes, he will be getting time. Uh, he's expected to be one of the important key uh, pieces off of the bench. Uh, probably playing backup three, uh, but even we've heard if the Kings try and go s super small, uh, there, is, there are scenarios where Kent Bazemore might sneak in as a four, but I, I, I'm more skeptical on that. A lot of backup minutes at the three, maybe even some of the two at times. Kent Bazemore will get plenty of playing time uh, with the Sacramento Kings, uh, probably close to an average of, of 20 minutes a night, maybe uh, something around there. I don't have his numbers open in front of me. Uh, but Kent Bazemore should have an equally important, if not maybe at times more important role uh, than he had over the last few weeks of the season with Sacramento. 
He played 24 minutes a night for the Kings. And again, it's we look at his total season numbers. You look at his shooting numbers, and they're poor. Like he was a 37% shooter overall from the field and 34% from three. But in Sacramento, he was at 43 from the field and 39% shooting from three. He averaged over 10 points a game in fewer minutes than what he played in Portland. So that change of scenery absolutely did him the world of good. And he was in a much better space. He was a a 37% two-point shooter in Portland, which is a horrendous number. He was able to get that back to to normal. So he seemed to to fit in in a a much better way in Sacramento. And I agree, he is going to be a rotation piece. So there is some fantasy value with these guys. Like you said, there are unknowns. We don't know of um, what's happening with Barnes and Fox's ankle because if those guys are out, maybe they do push less and then we get more Bagley developmental minutes. Maybe we get Justin James and Harry Giles thrown in for more minutes. So there is going to be that, but I think we look at Holmes as a, as a pretty solid option. A heel will still be pretty strong, but don't overvalue the shooting. And we know what Fox can do as well as Bogdanovich, who are going to have pretty solid roles, assuming that Fox's injury isn't too bad. Matt, you're going to have the King stuff covered for us over on Locked On King. So thank you for jumping on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me. Pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully we'll be actually talking about real basketball games here uh, in a few weeks. All right, that'll do it for today's show, guys. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Leave a five-star review on Apple and a comment down in the YouTube comments below. That would be great to help the show out, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.